Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass Or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea podcast. After we've been saying this for a couple of years now, it's kind of easy just to roll off our tongue. But it is me and my client, Nicole. Y'all, you guys... Yes. If you guys don't laugh during this episode, then like we can't be friends. I'm just saying, no, I'm kidding. Um, I have so much fun coaching Nicole. She is just a joy. And that doesn't mean that you can't be struggling, but like, trust me, y'all see. Okay. So I'm just going to kick this over. First off, I just want to give the people some content. I was on a discovery call with Nicole and I felt like it was the most intense discovery call because you're like, but what if it doesn't work? I am a unicorn. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, what are you like? Are you sure this works? How do you know this works? And I'm sitting over here like, because I do this every day, every day. I help women get their periods back. And you're like, but how do I know it's going to be for me? Like for me, like, do you remember that? Do you remember that first call? I didn't think I was that doubtful, but I Girl, guess, it took 45 no. minutes plus. And then I was like, oh, I I was like, this is awesome. You decide. I actually have to go. <laughs> it was like a 45 minute, like, like just trying to convince I'm you. I'm sorry. Like, no, 
I know who, what we do. This is what, no, but like, I just think it's so interesting. And I point that out because I feel like you were one of the most resistant people on a discovery call and you recovered and you're not a unicorn. Like, as in like, you were pretty convinced that you were the unicorn. You're like, I am just. It did take a painstakingly long time or what it felt like a long time, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So go ahead and kick us off. Where do you want to start? Well, I guess for me, my story probably started way, way back in the day when I was a wee child of only <laughs> 10. Um, so growing up, I'll give you some context. I am half Filipino and I feel like Filipinos show their love through food. So when I was younger, I was overweight. And my mom just always told me, you're not fat, you're just healthy. And But when I was 10, I was in the fourth grade. And I remember I was like best friends with me and my best friend both had like little bowl cuts and we were chubby and we'd try to like get out of PE class and by like pretending we had stomach aches and things like that. And presidential testing was like, ooh that's horrible. We don't want to do that. But I went, I remember going to a routine um, doctor's appointment with my doctor at the time, Dr. Kwan. And he told me that I remember getting on the scale and he was like, you're too fat. And those blunt words were just like knives. Like I just remember feeling so like shattered and humiliated at like such a young age. And my mom was she tried to just like be like it's fine you're not fat you're healthy but like that was like the trigger that just set the 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 spiral for years to come I think okay um, so like, pause right there so do you like so like is this your first recollection of someone like calling you fat like to where I feel you're like, like people would like say like I'm I think kids could be mean and they'd call me chubby but it wasn't like as direct and blunt so I feel like when it's a doctor or like an authoritative figure it kind of just it you take it more seriously so then yeah. that and then I remember him being like you need to be on a 1200 calorie diet and like limit like fatty foods and like my mom was she would work when I was younger so sometimes if she couldn't cook she would just buy fast food and it was like normal for me like I never felt guilty for eating fast food or the things that she would make me but I feel like right when he said that I like something I wanted to prove him wrong so I went on the 1200 calorie diet I started like biking up and down my block because that's like all I was allowed to like the vicinity of my house I was allowed to leave and I just I think I wanted to show him that like I could lose the weight to be healthy and I ended up losing enough weight to be in the healthy whatever you want to call the healthy range was for a 10 year old but ever since that I just I feel like those habits just kind of stuck so like fast forward to high school like my dad started having like heart issues and I feel like whatever he would have health issues I would turn to like running or like some form of exercise to be my stress reliever and like um I during high school it was also around the time when um I was getting ready to be in like a debutante ball which is like the equivalent of like a quinceanera for Filipinos uh -huh. so okay like junior senior it was senior year and that's also around the time when my dad um he had a cardiac arrest in an all-you-can-eat buffet so I remember them having to do CPR in the buffet and like, I just was like mortified and he got like, he was revived. But I think that that event also like made me like hate buffets and like all you can eat things. And I just was like, well, I'm not going to be like him. I'm not going to have, I don't want to have like heart issues. So I better like keep restricting and keep dieting and exercising to like, make sure that like that doesn't happen to me and so I would use the like running and things like that as like my coping mechanism because I remember for the debutante ball like I had to fit into a, like this special dress and like I was it was like really tight and I remember one of my girlfriends was like you should just start running with me and like I was like okay and I think that just like 
planted the seed to be like, okay, if I do this, then like I'll fit into the dress. I did end up fitting into the dress. And luckily I remember my dad was like, we had a, like a father daughter dance and he was so stressed and nervous before the debut that he ended up having like a panic attack. So he has a history of like anxiety as well. And uh -huh. I think I have those tendencies too. So I relate to him, but I was like, I, I think being ex being like extra like active always made me feel like I would get constant praise also throughout like being younger to now like anytime I lost weight family members would be like you look good like good job keep it up or my mom would always be like oh yeah Dr. Kwan said she was fat but look now she's better and like I think my mom having like less of a filter at times as well like would like imprint on me that like okay I'm getting positive words of affirmation for this so I should continue these habits and so in high school that was like that definitely like shaped how I would continue to like keep these habits then moving on to college and like I went away to Berkeley and I remember I was on my own so then I had the, cho the choice to like pick foods and pick like my activities and I was a bio major so that was also pretty stressful so whenever I'd get like nervous or stressed with like school stuff I'd go to the gym or like run extra miles or like take extra like fitness classes but at the same time like most people worry about like the freshman 15 but I I think I probably like went into like the deficit instead because the campus was so huge and I would always be like walking from place to place and like we'd have to like like campus the campus was huge and you had to get to your next class by like walking or biking and then I was in charge of my own food so sometimes I would like skip meals so that definitely like probably put me more like into uh like I said the deficit and then I think there were times that I would come home from college and then my friends would be like, is everything okay? Like, and I'd be like, oh, I'm just stressed. You know, it's just school. Like, I'm just nervous or like, I have a lot going on, but it was easy to like come up with excuses because nobody was really holding me accountable. So then I fast forward to like dental hygiene school. I came back after Berkeley, I came back home, but I like didn't live at home very long and like went through the program, got out of the program. And like, I feel like along with these things, like I dated different people. And like, whenever I'd go through like a harsh breakup or something, the exercise piece would come in and that would be like my new form of like, okay, you know, I feel like also society, like definitely like plays a role into whenever a girl breaks up with a guy, there's like playing the Kelly Clarkson song in the background, like, stronger than yesterday and you're like just like running on the treadmill feeling like amazing because of those endorphins but then you don't realize as this time is passing and you keep using that as your coping mechanism like it takes a toll on your body and ah. okay this is so good so I just want to pause for because oh, gosh this is good but I want to go all the way back to being 10 and I'm trying I remember like when did I get my period like when did I first get my period when did you get your first period I feel like I was in fifth grade no I know I was in fifth grade but how old are you in fifth grade let I me was 12 so probably like different like sixth grade maybe I don't know how old are you when you're 12? You're in fifth grade I feel like I got mine early because I feel like nobody else um okay so so, so okay Perfect. So you're like, I was 10 whenever I got my period. Like that was like, I felt like super early. Yours was sixth grade, so maybe like 11, 12. Yeah. And so it is like scientifically proven that in order for women, girls, teenagers to get their first cycle there, it is always like this. It is always accompanied by with additional body fat. So hence why like recovery is kind of like the second puberty, right? It's kind of like the same thing. And so it's really interesting. Um, and I think I've told this story before multiple times, but at 10, your body was clearly preparing. Like my body had already had a period, 
right? So this additional body fat that, you know, that like Dr. Kwan tells you that you are fat has an absolute purpose because you're about to go through puberty. Never thought about that, but yeah, no, 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 no. And the only reason why I bring this up, because I think it's so, in- well, one, cause I've been like, I'm like knee deep in like PubMed, but they literally draw that conclusion of this additional laying of body fat in order for puberty. Right. We actually see this in, uh, boys too, where, so for example, I have a stepbrother and he has swam his entire life. I mean, since, I mean, since this kid was in elementary school, he's been swimming, swim meets. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, like if you are swimming, like, (laughs) and you're on a swim team, that is like really intense, right? That's, That's just like really intense. And so he was swimming for school, swimming clubs, swimming meets. I mean, we spent summers there, right? Just swimming. I mean, he was swimming all the time. And even then, so so like his legs were was always super lean. His arms are always super lean. But he always had just like this, it looked so out of proportion because then he would have like just this additional belly fat in his abs. And everyone would just look, be like, this just is like not add up. Lo and behold, once he hit puberty, he grew so tall that you could just simply see that this was all just ready to just grow into, just simply grow into. And I think that like, we forget that at 10, 12, 13, you're still a child. You're still a child. So to have these adult expectations of that like your body is done growing, it's done developing. And therefore, you know what I mean? I just think it's so wild because that's not how the body works. Like that's just like, like, like you, know, you can have that opinion, but that doesn't mean that that's how the body works. So like, which means that when, because I have a friend and her daughter was like, yeah, I'm trying to lose weight. And she's like 13. And I looked at her, I'm like, it's not going to work, bro. <laughs> I was like, your body's getting ready for puberty. And so like, you can sit here and try to like starve yourself and your body's still going to change. And you're still not going to have control over how it's going to change. Cause you're in a, you're in the most intense season of change. Right. As in like. So then that makes me think like, should healthcare professionals even comment on like 10 to 13 year old, like weight issues yeah you know I you know obviously I'm not a doctor so I'm sure some people be like she's not a doctor blah 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 but I think it's one of those things of like I think it would have been interesting if he actually asked you about your life I don't know you know asked you about like you know because also at 10 11 12 13 you're not making food for yourself so is this This really a conversation to be having with the child is this not a yeah, I look back that- at that and think about how my mom could have advocated for me but now I know what to do differently well yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know like there's so much to like go back and, and think about if like your mom was working and you know what I mean like she was she worked when I was younger so she'd either cook on certain days and Filipino foods yes, are definitely very rich or buy fast food <laughs> So I think like the only way to really know is like what would have happened if just no one said anything to you and just let you go through puberty and like find your own way. Right. Uh, But I'm just like, I think that that's why I think like, what is it called when, when like you adultify kids? Oh my gosh. There's actually like a term for it, but I think that's why it's so dangerous that like you should not be treating a 10 year old like an adult who's already gone through puberty and has stopped growing. So anyway, so you're know, like going back to my stepbrother, he grew so much that he has stretch marks, not from being overweight, but from growing, from hmm. growing. And once he like grew into his body, all that fat went exactly where it needed to be. I mean, so think about if like he wouldn't have had that fat and he wouldn't have that additional body fat. Could you imagine him going through that growth spurt? Like, what would there be to stretch? What would there be to grow? Like, I'm just sitting here like, like, this is wild that like we are making like final judgments on kids' bodies as they're going through puberty. 
and as they're gearing up for puberty. Yeah. And obviously like the role of leptin, cispeptin, calorie intake that you need in order to even start the hormonal production. Anyway, so that's, so there's that. And then my other thought about is so interesting. What did you say that it's kind of like a quinceanera, but it's not a debut, a debut. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how people like diet for weddings and now like, it's like dieting for your life. Yeah. I think about it and I'm like, well, it's interesting how you're talking about like your, your cousin who went through the growth change and like his body just naturally evened out. But to an extent, I feel like I've been altering my body since I was that young. So now as a 35 year old woman, I'm like trying to figure out what is my natural just body. Like this was the first time I just kind of like sat still and was like okay time to give yourself a break because yeah so that's about for 20 plus years yeah 26 years you've been trying to change your body like you have been micromanaging and changing your body and like you're not the only one you're not the only one and there are tons of women who go through it but I should also mention like when I was in college, I like I got my normal period when I was 12 in whatever sixth grade. And I had normal periods in high school, even when I dieted for the debut thing, because I was still like at an average healthy, like I would say average weight. But then in college, when I left to go to go away, like I remember that was like the freshman year was when I started losing my cycle. So my gynecologist put me on birth control pills. And I know like around that time, she also like said that she thought I had PCOS because I was like underweight, but at the same time, not having a period. And she's found like all these little cysts on my ovaries. So I think by her saying that I had PCOS and putting me on the pills, it kind of just like blanketed it to make me feel like, okay, well, this is out of my control. So I can just keep doing my like habits and not have to actually address the issue that brought like I think deep down I knew that maybe I was taking things a little too excessively but since I had this diagnosis I it kind of just made me feel like okay well the doctor is telling me that the birth control will give me estrogen and that'll protect my bones and like it's still it'll still help you like shed your uterine lining so it's okay like just keep doing this and I also had a history of like high cholesterol Um, which I thought was just genetic because my mom has high cholesterol. So that also fueled like my like need to diet and exercise or pick the low fat, non-fat like options. Cause I'd be like, well, I have high cholesterol. I can't eat too many eggs. But then now we know like cholesterol is also like regulated by estrogen. So who knows, like now that I'm getting a normal period, like maybe that'll even out or like at least like, like I think because more recently I've gone to the doctor and they've like, my cholesterol didn't change much from not exercising and eating like, I guess all the foods. So it makes me yeah, think. You know, like it did not change, like it, AKA it didn't make it worse. Adding in animal protein didn't make it worse. Like actually eating full meals or full fat did not increase your cholesterol, right? Yeah. Like it'll not be- significantly, like by 10 or something like yeah. not. I think it'll be interesting to see what your cholesterol levels are six months, eight months cycling, because right now you're on cycle three. I'm waiting for the fourth one. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Okay. Hold on, but let's go back. Okay. So you said that you went to the doctor and got on the pill for PCOS, correct? Yes. That was in college in college and so so I was on the pill from college to like just like two years ago when I stopped and then I gave myself a year to try to get my period back on my own nothing happened so then I you know found the HA society (laughs) (laughs) okay so did you feel like that PCOS diagnosis almost gave you permission because everything out there says okay cut out carbs okay you know, uh, high intensity is great. Like how did that diagnosis like 
I know that you said that like, it was like, okay, sweet. So I don't have to worry about it because that's is what it is. But how did it impact you in your body image or how you navigated food or exercise? Well, I think, like you said, it gave me kind of like the freedom to feel like, or it, it made me like high, like just be like, okay, it's okay to keep exercising. Cause it's not your exercising that's causing the lack of periods. It's clearly just the PCOS. So you can just keep using this as like your coping mechanism or, you know, every time I like push myself a little bit more, like before I turned 30, I wanted to do my first triathlon and hike Machu Picchu and do the Grand Canyon and like all these things. And I was like, okay, it always made me feel good to like have these physical activities that just like made me feel like accomplished. And it gave you a sense of like worthiness. I would say like people are like, like you would, I definitely would get praise from other people. I didn't just do it for that. Cause I think the hiking piece was something that I actually like was more in tune to that. I, I liked being out in nature. I liked being disconnected from like everything else and I felt more at peace but certain things like doing a half marathon and a triathlon were just kind of like well let me do it to see if my body can like reach that capacity and like the bucket list items and then I think what really like was the turning point probably was when like I was 31 and I trained for a half marathon and I remember one of my coworkers that I was working with, like she, we were both part of the same hiking group and she, like, I would go with her on different hikes and they just got longer and longer as I trained for different things. But one of the people in the group was like married to an eating disorder therapist. And she reached out to my friend and was like, Hey, I think you should talk to Nicole because I think like she's reaching that like, point or like you know I always kind of teeter between that balance of like skinny or and scary skinny and it at that point I was like at scary skinny so um I think with her like say like sitting me down and telling me that people were concerned like I was like oh crap like maybe something maybe I am like reaching too low of a weight so I went to the doctor and I remember I got a physical and that doctor said that I like wanted me to get a bone scan. And I was like, what? Like I'm 31. I shouldn't need like a bone scan. But then the bone scan showed that I had osteopenia. And I was like, oh shit. Like that's like just a step away. From osteoporosis and like wasn't having periods and I was on the pill. So I was like, okay, like if I want to have kids, then I definitely need to like start like doing something differently so that I don't like ruin it for myself later on. But um, so I think I started to like see an eating disorder therapist at that time. I never really thought that I had an eating disorder. I just felt like I had tendencies that like were a yeah. little too restrictive and I was, could be like a little too excessive when it came to like doing certain activities like swimming, biking, running. I like, I did it all, but I did them like, like one a day it wasn't like I was doing like three workouts a day but I at right. the same time I could see how that's just like myself like trying to convince myself it's not that bad <laughs> but I feel like for anybody listening out there if you're thinking like if you're trying to convince yourself that like it's not that bad it probably is because yeah you wouldn't be I, thinking like is this gonna is this like should I be doing this like the answer is no. <laughs> no, I always like to say that if you find that you're trying to justify something, then then that means you're trying to protect something. There's something that you want to protect and that you don't want to change. And that's why we go on this justifying rampage of like, you know what I mean? Okay. So was that the only friend that was like, hey, you know, hey. Do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit 
or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful Thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off And you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. You know, I, I had had friends that had said things even in college and in like college and post-college, like in postgraduate school. But I think I never really stopped and listened to them as much because I would justify myself by being like, well, I have high cholesterol. My dad has heart issues. My mom's overweight. Like, I don't want to like be like them. So I want, like, I have to keep doing this to be healthy. But because I had the osteopenia, like now, like knowing that my bones were getting broken down and knowing like, I think I just like, it was like lots of little needles in the haystack that just finally piled up. And I was like, okay, you need to like do something differently. Yeah. Okay. And so this is just so interesting. So what was your first, so once you got the osteopenia like report back, what was your first action step because I'm sure just being so health conscious because you know, you're like, I just don't want to have bad health, you know, like my dad, I'm a little traumatized, you know, buffets, all the things I'm a, I'm a little traumatized here. I can imagine that you tried to fix or tried to work on your osteopenia on your own. And so what was that first step that you're like, okay, we're on the osteopenia healing track now. And we're doing this. Well, I was like, okay, well, I'll take calcium and vitamin D and that will help. But like, that's so minimal in the scale of like, it takes years for that to actually add up and do something. So like I said, seeing um, a therapist that dealt with like eating and body dysmorphia and things like that definitely helped, I think, talking it through and realizing where this all stemmed from, because I think HA or like eating disorders or any all of this anytime people use like diet and exercise to control their body I feel like you're really just running from something and I always just thought that that would fill the void of like what was missing in my life or if a relationship wasn't working out like this will make me feel better but it only makes you feel better for like right then and then you're still you still have the same problems that are hovering over you so I think that stopping and talking to someone definitely can help like address that and then fast forwarding to like joining the HA society it was like meeting a community of women who all are dealing with like exactly the same things you don't feel like you're the unicorn or the black sheep like and giving yourself permission to like stop and rest like nobody was doing that outside of like the HA society for me (laughs) or like I what when I saw the eating disorder therapist it was like pre-pandemic but then I remember the pandemic hit and so like I kind of like let up on things so that's also why like from 31 to now 35 there was like the pandemic that happened in between and I remember I 
like was gaining a little bit of weight and then things all shut down and I couldn't work. So I, like, I was like, damn, I have no purpose. Like there's no timeline. So I bought myself a bike with my stimulus money and I got into cycling because I thought that would be the new thing. And I was dating a guy at the time who was into cycling. So I was like, oh, let me do this 50 mile bike race in Mexico because that'll be fun. It was really fun, but. Oh, I bet it was. Definitely like. I wasn't fueling properly. So all the times I would like do these physical things, like I realized like if you're going to do those things, you need to eat like double, triple, whatever you're eating. And now I eat like a normal person finally. And I feel like even my family members and friends are like, oh yeah, it's kind of nice to not like have to hear you like alter your meal like a million times, like low fat, non-fried, no cheese, no carb, whatever. So yeah. It definitely, but it's still like a process. I think like it never really totally like leaves your brain. Like just because you get your first period, it's still like your. I feel like your default is to want to do those things. So I think, oh yeah, being in this society has been like a blessing in the sense that there are people who will like continue to hold you accountable. Like I know you had to coach with me for a very long time. <laughs> no. I, I was, I guess I was more of the doubting Thomas for too long. And I held on to those damn celery sticks that you would call them. Y'all, this the, is the water we, sticks. Yeah, we have coined the term. She is the client where it flew out of my mouth. I was like, what is with these water sticks? And then I just started busting up laughing because I never called it water sticks, sticks before I chatted with you. And now it's stuck forever. But I want to go back to, so you how long did you see an eating disorder therapist because I because like we get this a lot all the time because I do discovery calls with all the clients because uh that's part of my role here is I will straight up ask people do you have an active eating disorder and it's not because we don't want to help people but just think of how resistant you were already coming in, like how resistant you would have been had you not done that work with an eating disorder therapist, you know, whether it was helpful or not, but it was still like having to like stop and talk with somebody about it. So how, so what was your experience with working with an eating disorder therapist first and then coming to us? I think it helped because I already had like the background knowledge or like of that you need to like eat more in order to like live number one. And you want to do exercise and like have like the privilege of doing physical activities, then you need to up those like calories and those meals. And like also talking about like, what are you tying your food to? Like, what is it connected to that's giving you like a mental roadblock? Cause I think, a lot of the women in the society struggle with the food piece because not just because like they don't want to get fat or they don't want to get like don't want to gain a certain amount of weight but it could be like something ritualistic or something that they're like food could be tied to a traumatic experience like I had with Dr. Kwan or uh -huh. something with their parents or like what people say to you at a young age or what you're using it to fill like emotionally so I think talking to someone about that helped but I took a break from it during the pandemic and then slipped right back into my right. same kind of habits and then had to go back at it again but I think after the pandemic um when I like did that cycling race or whatever like I feel like I gave myself a little bit of a break and then things didn't work out with that guy who I did the bike race with. And I, my new partner, I feel like is the most like the healthiest relationship I've been in and the most like nurturing and loving. So I feel like I felt like I could more like let my guard down a little bit more. And since I was more, I think for me, meeting the person that I knew I wanted to have kids with in the future pushed me more to want to recover quicker. Like, I feel like before it was never really at the forefront because even if, yeah, I thought I had PCOS, but I think I, since I was still younger, you could always just like push it. Like, I'm not, I don't want to have kids tomorrow. So like, 
what's the point of like, like it's okay to keep exercising and doing these things that aren't serving you. But when you finally, like when I finally found that person, I was like, okay, like you need to be serious, more serious about this. And going to a new OBGYN, OBGYN, like she, I decided to switch doctors because I went to the same um, doctor that my mom went to. And I was like, okay, like maybe I don't like, maybe if I have PCOS, I still want to know like what my other options are, like get more up to date, like, you know, tests and whatnot. And the new doctor was like, oh, like she did like a vaginal ultrasound. She's like, I don't see any cysts on your ovaries. Like, and I was like, wait, they just like disappear. Like what the hell? And then she's like, yeah, but you are kind of underweight and like, you haven't had a period in how long? Like, um, and you stopped taking the birth control and nothing's happened. Like I would rec- like, she's like, actually, I think you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. So she was the one oh, who no, straight up gave me the diagnosis. And then she yes. out like these like papers on like what it was and like what your action steps should be. And she was like, you should see a nutritionist and like work with someone to like get to a healthier BMI. Cause my BMI was like 19 or something low. And I was like, at like underweight so I think that that just like and she knew I had osteopenia so she was like you should keep doing the DEXA scans every two years to see where you're at so that's when like it was last I think it was in February when I saw I saw that doctor in December but I signed up with you guys in March so in between time I like buckled down and was like okay no more running from this like we need to just like like address the skeletons in the closet (laughs) yeah well I mean so I think it's just nice again to I think there's some level of acknowledgement that your eating habits are not conducive for life (laughs) you know what I mean like 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 whether you stayed with that eating disorder therapist forever or not there's still this acknowledging there's so much power in just acknowledging it you know what I mean? So that the first time that you and I worked together, like it wasn't crazy that I was telling you to eat more. It wasn't crazy whenever I pointed out certain eating habits that potentially didn't line up with your goal of, you know what I mean? And so I just, I just think it's helpful. I think it's so helpful that if anybody has an eating disorder and like we recommend this to everybody. So if they say yes, or if it's, you know, just things seem a little bit more intense than, you know, like, and we will tell people, Hey, I don't think this is the right time. I really highly recommend that you work with the, um, eating disorder therapist and then come just because it's just like, it could just be so tough. It could be so tough. Um, and sometimes we can get distracted by just wanting to get our period back and not fix our eating habits. You know, that's true. I think, yeah, I think for me also the control piece when I was younger, like my mom made my food for me so I would like eat whatever she made so when I left for college and things I I I would decide to eat like whatever I wanted to eat so I feel like food could also be a was also a way of like she would get annoyed when I'd eat too healthy so I think that also made me kind of like want to rebel like high school to college like when I'd come home I'd be like no I'm gonna have a salad instead of rice or no I'm not going to eat like the chicken adobo or the fried lumpia and pancit. Instead, I'm going to like have a Subway sandwich. Was a Subway sandwich actually tastier? No, it was not. But I think it was like my way of being like, well, I get to choose. I get to do things my way. But doing things your way won't serve you forever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, doing things your way is like what leads you into HA. Yes. You know? Oh, this is such a, this is so powerful. Your journey is just so awesome. And everybody, Nicole is saying that it took her forever. And technically, what did it take? Five, five months? Six six months for my first period. And that is not unusual. People can feel like, oh my gosh, like I like failed. I failed at recovery. I didn't do it. You know, all these things. No, like I tell people straight up, this could take three to six months on the shorter end, three months, but six months, depending on how open and willing and fast that you're willing to let go. And like, and this isn't a dig at you. This is everybody and how much you're willing to be coached. 
right? Yeah, I think I was probably a little, I was more resistant than I could have, than I should have been early on. And that's why it took well, I think that I'm more resistant than like you even wanted to be. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's what makes it so crazy that you're like, no, I don't want to keep fighting this. And I'm like, okay, well, why do you still have water sticks? You know what I mean? You're like, I don't know. And so that's why I think like, because everyone with HA is so goal driven that they're just like, I want to be the best at this. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that requires surrender. I don't want to surrender. Well, I mean, I don't know how else to help you. So I just think it's so interesting. It didn't take your body six months. It took, you know what I mean? Because how long after the water sticks and your double salads, did you get your period? It was fast. I don't know, like two, two, like a month or two months. Yeah. Like a month, like a month. I I think I was, I was just like hoping it would happen sooner because I totally gave up like going from someone. I used to be the person who would wake up at 5am, go to the gym, like five days a week, six days a week, like before work. And my coworkers would be like, Oh, how do you do that? You wake up so early and you like still have energy and all this and that. Yeah. Cause I was running on like adrenaline, cortisol, I mean, but I gave it up like cold turkey and I stopped. You did. You did. And I was like, that should be enough to like get you out of this. But it was not. You had, I still had to eat breakfast and like all the extra things that go along with it. So. (laughs) Oh, that's one thing that I just want people to know too. You like, I didn't think you would give up exercise. I was like, oh my gosh, man, this is going to be a slow convincing and you were like nope I'm like I don't want to do it but like I'm going to do it and so walk me because because I didn't have to help you do that I had to help you with everything else but the exercise piece you were like Ashley I'm giving it up cold turkey what do you think and I'm like let's I think I finally was like maybe I do want like sleep is nice (laughs) but I mean I just my body had been running on like I even me I knew like getting just like five or five hours a night was probably like wearing me down and like not doing any exercise was hard I think because that was also my stress relief or like set me up for the days but I did I still allowed myself to walk like yeah like run or anything and do yoga and like light hikes like I me and my boyfriend would still go like outside on the weekends and I think I needed to do it for my my own like just to show myself like you won't die if you don't exercise and there are other things you can do and this isn't the only thing that defines you because for so long I think my identity was wrapped up in being the the friend in the group that was always like training for some kind of like race or getting ready for some super long hike or bike ride or triathlon thing but now I think I'm just starting to go back into things and I realize like the people that loved me because the people that love me still love me not because of those activities but because of the person that I am and like other things about me that are like a lot more interesting than like how far I can run or swim or bike because I wasn't I was never like the like fastest person I think I just pushed myself to do them because it made myself feel better but now I'm trying to turn to things other things outside of that and you know what the thing is is that like so I love I love your exercise journey for so many reasons because it's just like the full spectrum I'm like oh well but you're right like you had this whole transition season where like nobody was asking you about diet advice nobody was asking you at work and so it's like you kind of went through this season of like am I even valuable as a human if nobody asked me how to diet if nobody asked me workout advice and Danny says this all the time that she had this moment where somebody was like but like what else do you do and I never had that experience um you know so I've never had to answer that question but like what like who who are you outside of your triathlon? Who are you outside of your hike? Like not saying that there's anything bad about that. And that's not a bad quality. And I mean, PS, 
I'm my one of my goals is to do a rim to rim with women who are recovered from HA. Like you have to be ovulating to participate. There is a participation entry. You have to be like you have, doesn't mean you have to ovulate, but you have to be ovulating. Okay. Okay. Like because I want to do rim to rim and I'm not gonna do that with people who are like it's like 21 it. miles. Yeah. 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 All day, like, 24. like five and night. Yeah. I mean, um, anyways, and so like I love being able to tell people that I did that. I love doing it. I love push myself. I love being like, and then I didn't die. Not that I think that you would die. You know what I mean? But I love being like, okay, so technically I just had to keep walking. I can, I can do that. Like I can keep walking. You know what I mean? I love testing myself. I love pushing myself. You know what I mean? But that can't be the only thing about me. I mean, like that really, because or else if you're hiking with somebody and that, and you have nothing else to talk about, because you've not developed who you are, what do you do for like 12, 14 hours while hiking with somebody? You can only talk about hiking for so long. Like, who are you? Right. And so you went through that whole transition and now you're in the transition of adding back an exercise. So catch us up to where you're at with that. Well, I guess after six months of working with you and finally recovering, I think also right before I recovered, I went on a vacation. So I feel like that really helped put me in like a, a nice, like giving my body a, a, a rest and like going somewhere with my boyfriend where you're like no restrictions. Like maybe that also helped jumpstart things. Absolutely. But now I'm magical. <laughs> I I've had three cycles so I'm working with Liv, a uh, previous HAer, to try to get into strength training. Because I, yes. yeah. I feel like I was always like cardio queen, like, because that was the easiest way to burn calories and lose weight and like keep my like smaller size. But now I think since I do have the history of osteopenia, like I do want to have like more muscle <clears throat> to protect my bones. So doing weightlifting, I feel like would be something like a new, a new challenge for me to try to get into from yeah, a health place. She's definitely good with also like working with women to like trans or not to transform your bodies, but just to focus on fitness outside of the scale, which I think yeah. not a lot of like in the fitness world, everybody hustle culture just wants you to like get smaller, but doesn't want you to like get stronger. And yeah, absolutely. We, we enjoy live live is the people that we recommend people to work with, you know, while they're like, you know, if they just want that one-on-one lifting coaching, we love live. Um, let me look up her Instagram so I can give her a proper shout out. What am I like? I'm like blanking. Is it lift with live? Uh, lifted with live lifted with live that's her instagram handle we enjoy her okay and so what have you learned in this season i've uh, also learned that slow is fast as you told me because i'm i'm not trying to get back into cardio but i did sign up for a turkey trot so but another thing about me is i love any excuse to to celebrate a holiday so yes this like parties for anything like it could be your dog's birthday and it's decked out like you know well, like, life's too short to not celebrate things yes so. <laughs> I know I know this is why I enjoy you I mean it could be I mean I'm excited for what you're gonna do for like St. Patrick's Day like because I know there's no celebration that goes unnoticed by you and I love it oh I have a festive hat for every every holiday <laughs> there you but... go that's what I'm talking about so the turkey trot is one that I do every year on Thanksgiving. It's usually just a 5K or a 10K. I've only signed myself up for the 5K. And it's not like I wanted to do, like, I'm not trying to set any PRs or anything. Because most of the, even when I did do a lot of themed runs back in the day, like, I always just did them. For me, I just did them for fun. But I'd always pick, like, the 10K because I'd want to, like, get extra mileage or whatever. But this year, I just want to do it to do it. But I started running like after I got my first period and I made the mistake of not listening to Ashley and doing like, instead of just doing one mile, like each week I did like 
one mile for the first week and then I started doing two miles and two times a week yeah it was too much so then Mm -hmm. my second cycle like my luteal phase like shrunk from like 12 days to five days so I I the lesson of that story is do not think you can do more than you can right away I think slow is fast is the motto now so I kind of just stopped running for this third month and I'm like okay let's just see what my body will do and my current luteal phase is like at 12 days so I'm like okay looks like the not running like has helped fix that problem so I'm still trying to find the balance of like what's the what am I what's going to be healthy enough to serve like a healthy cycle and not going to push me over the edge Yes. And you know what I think is super interesting about this? And this isn't that like, you're not going to be able to run in the future. And so this is for everybody out there, but really and truly, once you recover your cycle and you're waiting on your, and so then like you started running on your second cycle, right? Yes. Your second cycle. So even oh, then, like you, the third one. <laughs> yeah, you were fresh, freshly healed fresh. I mean, technically you need like three consecutive cycles to be healed. So, so then like you started early, which is fine, which is fine, but it a hundred percent is a slow as fast. Like we absolutely have to do slow as fast because like nobody breaks their foot come. And then the first day out of their cast is participating in a double Dutch tournament. You know what I mean? Like, we're just not doing that. I'm sure you're actually like, practicing walking you know maybe like maybe like you're walking fast you know what I mean like you're taking your dog for a walk but no one's like okay so then for today's agenda we're gonna jump rope and then we're gonna run and then and then and then I'm doing box jumps right like nobody's doing that right and so like it's hard for us to throttle this because we don't have an external reminder Yes, a period's kind of external, but even then it's so internal, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like there isn't something, I think if like we could see a reminder on our body, like, I don't know if like both your legs were broken, if like you had a HA, then like, then like we would ease back into movement so differently. And so um, I'm excited to see you kind of, yes, you started running, added too much, too fast. The third one got wonky, but now we get to kind of scale back and then rebuild more intentionally. And so I'm excited to see where you're at in three months and six months. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be really, really awesome to see that. Yes. So I'm excited about that. But I think the one other thing I would say is like, once your body is at like a, my new nourished, healthier body, I'm still coming to terms with realizing that like your healthiest body may not be your ideal body, but that is the body that will give you stronger bones and help you cycle and have the hormones you need to have a healthy heart and support all of your systems. So no matter what, like the outside hustle culture is saying, like you have to stay true to yourself and what we are like taught to help each other in the HA society. Like that's why I really like am grateful to this, um, community of women and for Ashley and Danny and Mishi like I feel like if it wasn't for you guys like I would not be able to continue on with what I've the progress that I've made like every week there's like a new podcast and I'm like so excited to like actually be on one of these because I'll like listen to every story to like brainwash myself to not go back to like old Nicole because this is like I've been making so much progress that I want to continue on this journey. And I hope that everybody out there listening will like find something from what was said today that maybe they could relate to and realize that like, you're not alone. And like, if you're thinking like, should you go all in? You should like, do it, do it now. Don't wait <laughs> until you're 35 because I wow. wish I had this when I was 25. Cause if there, oh. if I had known about this society when I was 25, I probably like would have joined then, but (laughs) (laughs) no, I hear you. I think, uh, I mean, thankfully I don't feel like I navigate my 
recovery with much regret because I was so stubborn that there was no, there's no recovering sooner than what I recovered. But I do think about like, oh my gosh, I'm like 36 now, or maybe I'm 35. I think I'm going to be 36. If I could have done this at 25, I would be like 10 years recovered down the road. You know what I mean? Just like, what is 10 years of nourishment and like just being consistent with like protein intake and working out? It probably would have gotten me so much further than what the insanity route took me. You know what I mean? But then I wouldn't be here. And so that's why I'm like, I can't be too upset. All right, Nicole, you are amazing. Also, if you guys want to know one fun fact about Nicole, she loves karaoke and like she gets down. She gets down. And so she is, where are you? I feel like you're in the LA area or did I make that? I am in, well, I'm from Long Beach, California, but right now I'm living in Los Alamitos. They're very close to each other though. Yes. 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 And so, um, if you ever need a friend, Nicole is a true friend. She is. So I just, Nicole, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being real. Thank you for sharing all the vulnerable parts. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you. And if you're ever in the SoCal area, come out and karaoke with me. (laughs) Yeah, karaoke is a thing. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hey there, it's me, Danny, And I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method, both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, My wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back, in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. 
This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.